Lovely. So you've got me this week. <laughs> Another week off for Joe. Uh, yeah, we had Fergus last week, uh, speaking on the passage directly before this. Um, so I thought I'd give us a quick recap, uh, and then, is the sound all right? People hear it. Hear all right? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so uh, Judas has betrayed Jesus and uh, has led uh, some of the chief priests and soldiers to him. And uh, they ask for Jesus, and Jesus says, it's me, I, I am he, and they all fall down. Um, and uh, Fergus was telling us that uh, this is to show that actually Jesus is um, in control, very much in control of the situation. Um, uh, Peter also cuts off one of the high priest's ear, and Jesus tells him off for doing that. Um, And so it was starting in the middle of uh, this situation, verse 12. Uh, if you look down, the guards are arresting Jesus and they arrest him without any further trouble. Uh, and they leave all the disciples because Jesus commanded them to, as we heard. Jesus is in charge, really. Now, in verse 13, he's taken to Annas. Now, um, who, who is Annas? Well, he's the father-in-law of Caiaphas and Caiaphas is the high priest. But later on, it talks about Jesus being questioned by Annas, the high priest. And this was a bit confusing for me, because it's like, well, I thought Caiaphas was the high priest, and now you're telling me Annas is the high priest. Um, and then later on in the passage again, it, it talks about um, uh, the, the final, uh, verse 24, then Annas sent him Caiaphas, the high priest. So is there two high priests? You know, what's going on? Um, well, it turns out that Annas was actually the high priest before Caiaphas, um, but was removed from office by the Romans. Uh, but the people still respected Annas and treated him as high priest, and Annas still acts as high priest, basically. So basically there's two high priests, um, just in case you were confused. That's what's going on there. So join me in verse 14. We're reminded uh, of Caiaphas' prophecy uh, that he unknowingly prophesied uh, just after Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Uh, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation, but not only for the nation, but to unite uh, the scattered children of God. Why, 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 why do we get a reminder of this? It seems a bit odd. Like, we already know who Caiaphas is. We're not going mix, to get mixed up with some other high priest called Caiaphas. Um, he doesn't need no special introduction. Um, but actually, it's, it's here to remind us about Jesus, not Caiaphas, uh, that Jesus is going to go die for the people. Um, and the trial that Jesus is about to go through is just a sham. The Pharisees and the chief priests, they've already made up their mind to kill Jesus. And the mind of God was already made up in eternity past. Um, there's only one outcome. The writer of John reminds us in verse 14, Jesus is going to die for his people. Have you ever predicted anything that's going to happen and then watched it play out right in front of your eyes? And I've heard that mums are especially good at this thing with their kids. Um, 
And I found this out one day coming home with my little brother Isaac uh, and my mum. We were walking back to the car. And Isaac has with him a shiny new money box. Um, it's a red uh, London phone box, uh, nice metal with a coin slot in the top for your money. And he's, he's walking along called it and he loves it. He won't be parted with it. But obviously mum knowing best says, Isaac, you better put that in my bag so you don't drop it and get it all scratched. And Isaac said, I'm not going to drop it. It'll be fine. Um, and mum, doubtful look towards Isaac. And moments later, Isaac's skipping along ahead and, as you can imagine, uh, treasuring his new money box in his hands and suddenly, trip, Isaac falls face first, money box flies out of his hands, crash, lands on the floor. Isaac jumps up on her, grabs his money box off the floor and slowly turns around before us and I've never seen a more crushed, sad, crestfallen face as that moment as the realisation crosses his face that he's completely scratched his shiny new money box. Um, and it was hilarious for me. Um, <laughs> but sometimes watching the thing you predicted happen can also be gut-wrenching or painful. Uh, for example, you might see someone perched precariously on top of a ladder up a building, um, and you th- it looks unstable, and it's a windy day, and you think they're going to fall. And then suddenly, whoosh, gust of wind comes, and you hear a terrible thud. And you're like, oh, it's painful. Uh, it hurts. And similarly, in this passage today, Peter's denial has already been predicted. And it has that same kind of, oh, it's painful and gut-wrenching to watch it play out. Uh, for Peter and I want us to feel that kind of uh, today in the passage um, because Peter's betrayal is awful so let's look at verse 15 Um, let's see what's happening Uh, Peter has fallen behind Jesus with another disciple Um, who's this guy? well uh, potentially the other disciple is the right of John but also maybe just a uh, an unknown follower of Jesus. Um, I don't think it's massively important who this disciple is, um, but it makes a difference he's there because one, it makes Peter's denial even worse because he had another disciple there with him and that he still denied Jesus again and again and again. And two, because the other disciple is pals with the high priest, so he can just walk into his courtyard, but Peter can't. Uh, verse 16 there, he stopped at, at the door um, and this is where it all starts to go downhill for Peter. The servant girl asks, maybe scornfully, maybe disbelieving me, you aren't, you aren't one of his disciples too, are you? And Peter is bricking it. He cowers before the lowly servant girl. She's not a bouncer. She's just a slave, the lowest in society. And yet he's crapping his pants. He's just chopped someone's ear off. Jesus has been arrested. Maybe he'll get arrested. Maybe he'll get put on trial. Maybe he'll be found out. So he denies, I'm not. Oh, gut-wrenching. It's like, it's like saying, no, I've never met him. It's like someone asking me, are you friends with um, John Stoker? And me replying, no, I've never heard of him. Because I don't want to be associated with John because I think he's going to ruin my reputation. 
by be, me being friends with him. How horrible is that? And, and you think, Peter, what are you doing? Jesus is your friend, your teacher, your saviour, your God. Oh, I am not. And let's, let's take a look at verse 19. Where's Jesus? Where's Jesus when Peter is denying him before the servant girl? Well, Jesus is answering truthfully before the highest authority in the land, as opposed to Peter lying towards the lowly servant girl. And Jesus is doing that so Caiaphas' prophecy in verse 14 can come to pass. In other words, Jesus is answering faithfully so that he can die for unfaithful Peter who at this very moment is denying that he even knows Jesus. Jump back to verse 18 with me. Um, there's some details uh, in the passage here that are like, well, why are these there? Um, so the fact that it's cold and there's a fire uh, probably means it's night time, which just shows, it's not according to custom, uh, it shows secrecy and the trial is off the books, not really uh, meant to be happening. Um, and the fact that they question Jesus directly um, and don't bring in witnesses also shows uh, it's a dodgy trial. Um, and you can see in verse 21, uh, Jesus says, Why do you question me? Why, why ask me? All my teachings I have spoken out in the temple. And obviously, he has done some teaching to his disciples in private, but the teaching in private is usually expanding on the teaching in the temple. Um, and if you went to the te- temple to hear Jesus, you'd, um, you'd get a complete view of his teachings. Um, so Jesus Jesus said, look, you know, bring in a witness, basically. And uh, for that, he gets a slap. Um, and then he talks about, oh, bring, bring evidence then. And again, no, no answer this time. Instead, he's just uh, sent off uh, to Caiaphas because they can't. They can't bring evidence against him because Jesus has done nothing wrong. It's a setup. It's a dodgy trial. All the details point to it. Um, they can't find any reason to condemn, condemn him, but they still want him dead, so they send him off to Caiaphas. Uh, verse twenty-five. Now back to back to Peter. Scene shifts back to Peter by the fire, and he gets asked uh, the same question. Same question again. Second chance. You aren't his disciple too. And Peter gives the same answer. I am not. Oh. Gut-wrenching. I am not. And again. Verse 26. Same again, but slightly different question. Didn't Didn't I see you in the garden? Um, didn't I see you with Jesus? Uh, Peter denies it again. And Peter has spent 
day after day with Jesus. He's been with Jesus as he heals from massive distances, as he heals uh, paralyzed uh, man, uh, as he feeds the 5,000, as he walks on water, as he opens the eyes of uh, men born blind. Uh, he, even, he knows Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He was there when he raised Lazarus from the dead. Uh, Jesus washed Peter's feet. He loved him like no one else could, even when Peter is gobby and stupid. And that's just some of the accounts in John, and that's not mentioned in the other <coughs> stories in the other Gospels. Um, who knows the, all the other hours they may have spent praying together, eating together, relaxing together, talking together. But Peter says, I am not. I am not. And Peter again denied it. Oh. I am not. I am not. Peter again denied it. It's like that person on the bus that no one wants to sit next to. You don't even, you don't even want to be associated with them. You don't want to sit next to them. Peter's saying, Jesus, I don't, even, I don't even want to sit next to you. I don't, I don't want to be anywhere near you. Oh. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, we can see ourselves uh, in Peter's shoes, struggling, fighting the desire to deny Jesus. And if we're honest then we realise actually we failed to acknowledge Jesus before others. We've backed out of opportunities to share Jesus fully uh, with others. We've stayed silent when really we ought to have loved the person we're talking to enough to tell them about our friend, our King Jesus. But instead we've loved ourselves and our own reputation. We've chosen safety over uh, love. And in doing so, we've said to Jesus, I don't know you. I don't value you. I don't want you. You make me look bad. Or maybe we've shared the gospel with our friend, but we just left out all the bits that we think won't go down too well. The bits about obeying Jesus' difficult commands or that bit about judgment. And if that's the case, then we've also denied Jesus and said to him, you make me look bad. So I won't tell them about all of you, just the, just the nice bits, not the hard bits. But really, that's no gospel at all. We have let Jesus down. We have rejected him and denied him. What hope, what hope it then is there for us? And I want to look at Peter a bit later on. John chapter 21. Um, you can turn there. Um, verse 15 onwards. The resurrected Jesus is having breakfast with, the, with his disciples. And afterwards he asked Peter, do you love me more than these? And Peter says, yes, Lord. And Jesus says, feed my lambs. And Jesus again says, do you love me? Yes, Peter says. And Jesus said, shepherd my sheep. And the third time, um, the same amount of times as Peter denied him, Jesus asks, do you love me? Yes, you know that I love you. 
Jesus says, feed my sheep. Jesus has not written off Peter for his utter betrayal of him. In fact, quite the opposite. Jesus has been utterly faithful to Peter. Peter's sins, his betrayal, the punishment of death that Peter deserves, Jesus bore on the cross for him. And now, Jesus gives Peter a second chance to do the opposite of his denial, and in doing so, commands him to be the shepherd and spiritual leader of Jesus' people. And Jesus has not written us off for our sins. In fact, he is tenderly calling us towards him. He wants us to come to him. He dies on the cross so that we might come to him. And when we turn to him in repentance, we can say confidently our sins are forgiven because Jesus went to the cross. And so because of this salvation, because Jesus went to the cross, we want to tell the truth about our identities in Jesus and the truth about Jesus himself. But how can we? Surely, surely we're just like Peter, destined to deny Jesus. Surely it's just inevitable. Well, let's look at Peter again. Uh, don't need to turn anywhere this time. Later on in Peter's life, he becomes a leader of the church and is filled with the Holy Spirit. And he's completely transformed by the Holy Spirit. In the book of Acts, uh, he's arrested for preaching the gospel and taken to the Jewish leaders. And instead of denying, he confidently preaches the gospel to them, even though that's what got him arrested in the first place. Now that's a completely changed man from the man we've seen here denying Jesus. And what's the difference? Well, he has the Holy Spirit. And what I want to encourage us today is that we have the Holy Spirit. When we trust in Jesus for salvation, we are given the Holy Spirit. And we have the power to acknowledge Jesus as our Lord, just as Peter did in Acts. So let's do it. When the fear of man comes upon us, when we want to deny Jesus, because it's easier or safer, or because we want a, a better reputation. Let's ask the Holy Spirit, help. Help. Take away my fear of man. Give me a right and joyful fear of you, God. And then confess Jesus as our Lord through the power of the Holy Spirit. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we have power to defeat sin. We're not helpless, we have a helper. It's worth saying maybe that if you haven't put your trust in Jesus, then you don't have the Holy Spirit. And fighting sin is pointless. You have to get right with God through Jesus first. But if we have put our trust in him, let's look to Jesus in our fight against sin. Let's look to him who, whilst we were still sinners, still in rebellion against him, whilst we were denying and hating him, it was then that he was faithful that he loved us by dying for our sins so we can live with him in joy forever. And so as we go out to fight sin, to live for Jesus, ask the Holy Spirit to help us and remind us of our salvation in Jesus. Let's pray.
Thank you, Jesus, that you have not written us off for our sin. But in fact, uh, you have saved us so that we can know you. Thank you uh, that by the Holy Spirit, you use us uh, in our weakness. Uh, Please, Holy Spirit, come uh, help us to testify uh, to the truth about God to all people. Amen.